What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And uh, Rod, we're going to just briefly touch on the Minnesota game. Um, I had another technical snafu here, uh, but hopefully that'll be over with for now. Uh, And then we'll get into the, um, the Penn State game. Uh, coming up on Saturday. Uh, so, Rod, really, this one, six, 75 to 67, Michigan State beats uh, Minnesota, moves to 1 0 in the Big Ten. Uh, good balance game. We had uh, Gabe with 15, Hauser with 10, Walker with 15, Hall with 15. Um, what was your sort of high level takeaway from that Minnesota game? I thought it was a great first half in terms of uh, the defense in particular, but also they limited turnovers, shot the ball well from deep. Second half was less great. The turnovers got a little looser. Um, I didn't think they checked quite as well, Mm -hmm. but the three-point shooting kept up. Um, Good win. I mean, that Minnesota team, look, it's a a mid-major. We talked about it in the preview. It's kind of a mid-major all-star kind of team. That's what Ben Johnson's had to – Put together so they're not you know stunningly talented but i liked the way they compete i think they play hard um they're limited but because they play that hard uh they're going to beat some people i don't think you know i i think we had them 14th coming into the season i don't think they're going to finish 14th that that does not look like a 2 and 18 type team in the league i think they're going to get a few people definitely in minneapolis mm-hmm. um if that crowd stays with them the way they were last night so I think given everything, I think it was a good win for Michigan. It was kind of ideal because Michigan State did enough good things that you feel good about their momentum, and yet there was just enough bad that Izzo's got things to beat on them about. That's the sweet spot mm-hmm. at this time of year. Yeah. Uh, we we don't have to go through everybody, but um, just a couple call-outs here. Hauser with it kind of a bounce back game 10 and 7 uh two assists he hit a couple three pointers only had one turnover and you could see i mean while the production's not huge you could look to this game and and maybe down the road point to this one as one of the uh, of several leading up to a, a really good game for him possibly well i think it's the best game he's played this year when you take everything into account Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was mentioning to you before we started recording that I, I was on earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday night. And uh, he brought up Hauser and he made the point, which I absolutely agree with, that the nice thing about the two threes that Joey hit is that they were kickbacks mm-hmm. where he was the trailer and kind of a quasi transition move. And what that means is he didn't have time to think about it. He yeah. just reacted. You know, it all came in the flow very naturally. And we've been talking about this on this podcast for a little while now. My, what I've been advocating for is to 
to strip things down with him, you know, cut, take away a lot of the ball handling, you know, just, just tell him you rebound, you defend as best you can and you take open threes. And that's really it. And I think that's kind of the way he played last night. He was very good on the boards. I thought it was his best defensive game in a while. You know, they played a lot of small ball last night because Minnesota is a small ball team and he ended up playing a good amount of five. And I thought he was really good against Curry. I actually think he did the best job of any of the three guys that defended him Mm -hmm. against Curry. You know, Markey wasn't his usual self in terms of impact. And I thought it was a very poor game defensively for Julius Marble, um, who's been defending better this year, but he wasn't good last night. I thought Joey did the best job of the three. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you hit two threes, you're not committing turnovers. I, I like it. I think it needs to continue along those lines where you're stripping down what you're, what you have Joey doing mm-hmm. and let him build confidence that way. And I think last night should absolutely be a step on the road to recovering the player that he can be. Yeah. And, and the other guy who, had a great game, Malik Hall. Fifteen points, nine rebounds, four assists, hit a couple threes. Um, yeah, you know, so you combine that up at, at the four, and that's uh, twenty-five and sixteen. It, twenty-five it's and def- sixteen. It's definitely the best combined game we've seen from those two guys this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe ever. I'd have to go back and look. Might have been better than any single game they played together last year. I'm not sure. Uh, if it's not, it's close. But I, I, Malik Hall, look, I, I think if Malik Hall can consistently be that guy, the ceiling for this team goes up. Because then, I, and I actually do really legitimately feel this way about him. There's been a lot of talk about Michigan State not having an alpha. Yeah. And, and that might be true. I mean, Malik has not been consistent enough to where you would categorize him that way. Probably the guy who's been closest to that would be Gabe Brown, at least in terms of scoring. But I think you can, at least at this point, chalk up some of Malik's inconsistency, perhaps to that ankle injury. You know, when Izzo says it's only now that he's really healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it remains to be seen. We got to see the, the, how the next few games go. But if you can start to string together games like last night, uh, listen, this team goes up a level for sure. And I think he's fully capable of it. Yeah. And he's not going to continue, I don't think, as a plus 50% three-point shooter. But has he shown enough for us to think maybe he can lock in as a 40% guy? Yeah, maybe. Especially if teams keep um, letting him get good looks, which he continues to get. Um, you know, if they're not loading up on him to take it away. And if they do that, he's shown an improved ability, I think, to go off the dribble and and score that way, you know, more so than we've ever seen from him in his career. I think that's the thing that makes me feel best about him is that he's showing a versatility to his game mm-hmm. offensively. He's shown he can back people down in the post. He's shown he can go off the dribble. He's got a nice enough handle. He can do that. He was really good in the middle of that zone in the second half when yeah. Minnesota tried to play some zone. He had two straight possessions. One was a an interior pass to Bainham, and the other was a short jumper that he took and hit uh, that were great. They were textbook, how you play that role. 
So I, I like what we're seeing from him. We just need to see the continued consistency. But if we do, and then you factor in what kind of rebounder and defender he's become, we're talking about a guy who could be an all-conference <laughs> player. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going too far with what Malik Hall can be. The question is, does he play that way consistently enough uh-huh. to where we consider him that? Uh, and the other thing that we should mention about that game is that that Jaden Aikens play um, yeah. that he'd mentioned uh, in the first podcast. Um, the, that, the one that, no one will ever the, hear. The yes. one that's in infinity right now. Um, that he it reminded you of Tayshawn Prince in the, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Pacers. Yep. I yep. mean, just like three quarters court he took off from and just flies down the court. Colossus. I encourage. Holy mackerel. There's two, there's two um, clips I would encourage people to watch that are circulating on, on Twitter from this game. That's one of them. Just to see how far Jaden Akins came from mm-hmm. on a play that he had no right to get there. You never thought, certainly, I think it was Willis was the guy for, for uh, Minnesota, I think, that, that got the loose ball. Ball came loose on a rebound attempt to him at half court. Mm-hmm. And he thought, rightly so, he was going in alone for an easy you know, one-on-none layup. And Jade Nakins just did not quit, covered an immense amount of ground, and made a great defensive play. That's that's one that everybody was talking about coming out of last night. Yeah. Because it, it also, besides just the hustle and all that, which is great to see from a freshman that he already reacts that way, it just it, it really shows off what I've been talking about since Michigan State was recruiting him. This is a very special athlete. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who is is at a different level than most guys who come into the program. Yeah, that yeah. and that play showed it. The speed, the the yep. up, the jumping ability, the time, all of it, I everything mean, it that there. goes into athleticism. Yeah, was there. Yeah. So that was one. The other clip I would recommend, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I have not been a fan particularly over the years, but there's a former player from the University of Michigan named Ant Wright, who mm. is. <laughs> yeah. um, very, uh, very active on Twitter. He's a decent yeah. following. Yeah. He had, he called it out apparently during the game. And then he, I got to give him credit for it. It's very funny. Do you remember there was a, there was a set that Minnesota ran. I couldn't, I remember at the time, I couldn't believe I was seeing it. We just didn't talk about it last night. There was a set where Malik Hall was covering battle. Who's their, their top scorer. Uh-huh. And, they ran battle through multiple screens in a circle eight. Do you remember that? Where he just kept circling in a, he, he was running in a figure eight. I mean, not a circle eight, a figure eight. And he just kept running and Malik is trailing him the whole time. So it goes on for like 10 seconds and he ends up finally getting the ball on a pass and then shoots a contested jumper that missed. <laughs> but it was the strangest play I've ever seen. And uh, Ant Wright said it to Yakety Sax, the old <laughs> the old Benny Hill, you know the that song. It's I highly recommend it. Yeah, he he's he's actually pretty good. He is. My friends have fun trolling on him. He's gotten a little less trolly with the Michigan Michigan State stuff, and I think I think as his as his career has such as it is has started to take off a little bit 
and he's got more attention. I think he's gotten a little saner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and but yeah, it was really funny. I don't recall. I don't recall that figure. Take a look. But, but yeah, take a I'm look. Uh, so yeah, let's just look at the keys, Rod. Unless there was anybody else that you wanted to call out. No, no, no. Ty- Tyson Walker played, uh, I think, a really good game in terms of his own offense. Best game yet this year. Uh-huh. He had some turnover problems, but I I thought he was really good offensively. Um, AJ was good in the first half. That's that's probably about it. Yeah, for calling out individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the turnovers was the first key we had, uh, and this one you'd mentioned it a little earlier. Five in the first half, and they wind up, I think, eight in the second half. Yeah, it was a disappointment that they got a little sloppier, and you know, down the stretch, I, it's funny because when I think back to the way they handled that pressure, for the most part, I thought they were pretty good with it. But there were just enough mistakes. There was one where Tyson dribbled it off his foot. There yeah. was another where um, uh, Max Christie broke pressure, but somehow dribbled into a steal, like literally dribbled right into the defender yeah. who was in position to just take it away. And there was there also just that enough... inbounds pass too. Yes, that was stolen, and they yeah, cut... yeah. yeah. So. Um, a little disappointing. Of course, the big thing was that um, they uh, they only committed three. So despite the fact that MSU had, for them, a decent number, 13, there was still a 10 turnover gap. And that just further buttresses my, theory, my developing theory this year. I think I've finally gotten, at least where I'm comfortable, with, with an explanation as to the turnover issues. Um Minnesota, as we pointed out, is what the second lowest percentage of bench minutes in the country. They're right yeah, down at the bottom, three fifty-seven. So even though they've got a bunch of new guys who hadn't played together before this season, I think the fact that they are playing pretty much all those minutes together under game pressure has at least a little to do with why their turnover numbers are so good. And and they were good coming into last night. Obviously, only committing three is spectacular. It's also an explanation why Michigan State isn't as good because they play so many guys, so many different combinations, that you see a difference, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's going to work for me. In terms of this game, I'm not super hung up on the turnover numbers from last night. I thought Michigan State was okay. At the same time, you can look at how few Minnesota committed and say, well, that probably is why it wasn't a blowout. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it was looking that way at one point. It got stretched out to 19, and it could have got ugly quick. And they had a couple chances to push it over 20 and just couldn't come up with a bucket, and then Minnesota gradually crept back in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then the zone offense was the second key. Uh, Millie Cole uh, you know, is who you were looking for, and he did pretty damn well in that in that little spot there and at the free throw line. He sure did. And Minnesota didn't play as much of it as I thought they would. When I saw them play Mississippi State in their previous game, they played a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. In this game, I'm pretty sure we didn't see it at all in the first half. If we did, it was fleeting. Second half, we saw it a little more during segments where MSU had Hogard out there instead of Walker. I noticed that. They uh-huh. never zoned when when walker was on the floor um i think that all in all you have to be pretty happy with how michigan state attacked it malik call 
and and I had mentioned him in the preview as the guy who seemed like the most natural fit uh-huh. for that key role where he's the guy you're playing at the free throw line, free throw line extended, kind of in the gap, and looking for him to make plays. And they did use him that way, and he was really good. Mm-hmm. And he's so good, good at, those, the, at those little like 12, 14 footers. He is, and he's a better passer than I think people realize. Uh-huh. And I think the other thing that matters is to me, when Malik Hall was on the floor and the ball was in his hands, I'm just saying this as a viewer, I am relaxed. Yeah. Meaning that he appears confident and collected when he is on the floor. And that's another uh, it's another aspect of what you want in a guy in that role because they're going to be the one making decisions under pressure. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. going to be that guy. Oh strong with the ball too he's gonna get lots of hands just kind of flailing at him and whatnot yep uh yeah so then uh rebounding uh we've crunched the numbers a little bit i think it wound up being the offensive rebounding percentage for uh minnesota was like 21 but they're actually been averaging 15 percent so a little bit better but michigan state made up for some of the turnover gap here michigan state was at a I think 31%. It was a little higher than that. It was somewhere in the 30s, yeah. And and so they had a they had about a low teens percentage gap in the offensive rebounding rate. That's a pretty good gap. You know, normally you might be, you know, a good a good separation, a good performance might be like a 7-8% gap. Mm-hmm. It was higher. It was double digits in this game. So yeah. That said, maybe you'd say I think you'd have to give MSU a plus overall on it. But considering how bad Minnesota had been mm-hmm. on the offensive boards coming in, you might say it was ever so slightly disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and then tempo was the fourth key. You know, I thought that was the other thing that slipped a bit in the second half. But man, in the first, I was very happy. I thought Michigan State did what they've been doing most of this year, honestly. They pushed consistently. Both point guards kept the pressure on. And it wasn't that they had a slew of dunks or layups where, you know, they had odd man rushes, let's say. But they consistently put pressure on the Minnesota defense and got a lot out of it. A lot of quick hitter baskets. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we, we mentioned those trailing threes that Joey hit. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. They did a lot of that. Where It wasn't that they were three on one, but they were they were pushing. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought they just they just eased off a little bit in the second half. Um, so, you know, but overall, pretty good. Yeah. And Tyson Walker had that one really nice one. They got all the way to the rim. Yep. That was a good he one. Can, He's showing that more and more often. I think he's, look, I I think he's settling in. Now, last night, you know, the four turnovers to three assists you're not thrilled with, but the two games prior to that combined, he had 16 assists and three turnovers. Mm -hmm. So we're still talking about over three games, what would that be, 19 and seven. So almost a three-to-one ratio over, over three games, two of which were played against high major opponents, mm. Louisville and uh, and now Minnesota. So, it, and then the scoring, obviously, last night, was uh, he continues to shoot the three. He's nine for 12 on the year, 
from three. But the thing I was happiest about last night is he has been struggling from two. And he was uh, three for five, I believe, Yeah, from inside the arc last night. So all good stuff coming from him. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth key was the last 10 minutes. Um, which, it, man, I mean, the, the one thing you do have to give Minnesota credit for, gosh, they, they really played seven guys only. And one of them, Charlie Daniels, only played seven minutes. That's crazy. Yep. yep. I give him credit. I thought for sure, and again, Michigan State made this kind of a fast-paced game. I didn't think Minnesota did all the things they could have done to slow it down. Um, they didn't play zone much in the first half. You know, they weren't they weren't really dragging out possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly didn't do a lot to slow Michigan State down. But uh, but you know, you would figure all of that in the last ten minutes, Michigan State would have a distinct advantage. It didn't play out that way. Down the stretch, Minnesota did not look like a team with tired legs. Their their shooting was not short. Um. Their energy level at both ends was still good. You know, all those things were there, so hats off to them. You know, Ben Johnson obviously has done a good job in getting that team in condition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, any you know, final thoughts on that one? No, I think it's it's a win, and, and we move on. Yep. Uh, so Penn State comes into this one uh, after a nice uh, kind of a rebuild. Uh, new coach. Um they're five and four overall, zero and one in the conference. They lost to UMass, LSU, Miami, and Ohio State, um, and they got a win over Oregon State. Is really their best so far, but Oregon State's really struggling. Bad t- boy, you want to talk about a team that's fallen off the face of the uh, earth? Oregon like State was eight, I think. What were they? Were they Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight last year? They went second weekend. I know that in the tournament. Yeah, and that's to go right. from that to go from that to where they are now, that's yeah. But anyway, it's still wins a win, right? Yeah. For Penn State. So Micah Shrewsbury in, um, first year at the helm, uh, had a long career at Purdue, Butler, um, was with the Celtics for a while as an assistant. Um, and, w- I mean, they also have a shallow bench. Of course, you, you get a coach coming in right off the rip, and, and they're 322 in bench minutes. Um, five guys averaging 27 minutes or more. Uh and then one more at 21. There, there's some similarities to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, and one is that they both got new coaches. Um, the other big one is, um, is what you just mentioned, that they're just not playing many people. Penn State goes to their bench slightly more, but it's only slight. Um, this is going to be another kind of Iron Man team. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to see. It doesn't look like they lost quite as many people they didn't they returned a little bit more than minnesota did that's true but keep in mind they lost myron jones who's at florida isaiah brockington who i believe is at iowa state and um wheeler wheeler who's at ohio state right that's three guys who probably would have been starters Mm -hmm. that's in fact that's your perimeter starting group gone so they did take losses but you're right harar was in the portal i think they could have lost lundy they could have lost dread the fact that they got those guys to come back at least gives them you know a little more of a foundation than what ben johnson's got to work with yeah uh so on offense they're 99th 
in uh, efficiency. Turnovers uh, have been a big problem. Twenty one percent of their possessions, um, and they're sort yeah, of by, by the way. For comparison, uh, MSU was twenty one point seven. So there's barely a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, mediocre shooting team, you know, thirty four percent from three. Um, the offensive rebound at one hundred and seventy fourth nationally, and they don't get to the line much. Yeah, it's it, it's really not a team where anything stands out offensively in terms of uh, their profile, or at least not much. Yeah, uh, they they do uh, shoot the twos fairly well, thirty fifth in the nation. Um, That's the one thing. Yeah, and they shoot free throws decently, seventy three point eight as a team. But they don't get there much. Yeah, <laughs> the, the two the two point shooting thing is interesting to me because um, again they're not a big team. Now Harar is shooting seventy percent plus, which helps, but he doesn't. He also doesn't take a ton of shots. So it's interesting to me they're as high as they are in two point shooting, because normally that would be produced either if you've got a team of, you know, spread the floor fullback driver types, Mm -hmm. or you have some great low post players and they don't really have either of those things as best as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, on defense, it's a little better 69th overall. Um, they don't follow much. They don't put people on the line a whole lot. Uh, and they're 54th in defensive boards. Uh, and they're okay at limiting the two um, with ninety number ninety in, in the country in that. I think I think that, and they, and that's interesting to me too. Again, it, but maybe not surprising. You look at Shrewsbury's background. You mentioned he's been with Matt Painter, and he's yeah. been with Brad Stevens and both Butler and in the NBA. Uh, those are two guys who know how to coach defense, and they coach a particular style of defense. It's not flashy. It's not. It's not. Um, based at all on forcing turnovers or trapping it's solid pack the lane physicality make you take shots you don't want to take right and and that usually adds up to pretty good defense against two pointers and they've that's that's what they've done so he may be getting that message across in the early going to his team and penn state has no rim protection to speak of they're not forcing any turnovers so those things are consistent uh Different different approach, really, than what we had for years from Pat Chambers, who occasionally, depending on the year, would would use some quasi-pressure. You know, I mean, he was a little more oriented toward wanting to play the game fast. I don't think Shrewsbury is going to be that way. This team will play very, very slowly. That's what the numbers tell us, and that's what you would expect given his coaching background. Uh-huh. Um, the one thing, the one area, I guess, where they have a vulnerability, and it might spell a real problem against Michigan State, is um, they are vulnerable to giving up a lot of three-point attempts. The percentage they've given up isn't totally horrendous, but, you know, look, Tom Izzo was adamant in at the outset of the season that this was going to be a good shooting team. Hmm. And they got off to a rough start. Those first three, four games, they weren't shooting the three very well, and yet, you know, Look, I understand Izzo often says he thinks he's going to have a good shooting team, and sometimes it ends up like last year where he didn't. But most of the time, Michigan State does shoot the ball pretty well. Might not feel that way to fans, but if you look back over the years, Tom Izzo's program has shot the ball well. Okay? That's that's just how it is. Um, This team, over the last six games, 
has had one bad half shooting the ball. And it was the second half of a third game in three days against a very good team in Baylor. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is over the last six games, they've shot it extremely well. They're up to, what, 38% as a team, I think, from three. Uh, that's a bad equation, potentially, for Penn State. Because Penn State has not shown a propensity for holding three-point attempts down, and they're facing a team that right now is shooting the ball very, very well. Mm. So we'll see if it continues. You know, nothing's guaranteed in this world, at least of all shooting percentages on an individual game basis. But I would be worried about that if I were Micah Shrewsbury. On the other hand, I'm not sure there's a hell of a lot he can do about it. Yeah. Because I I don't think he wants to gamble by extending out on the floor and then giving Michigan State easier opportunities in the lane, you know. And the scary thing is, is I don't even think we've seen anywhere near what Christian Hauser could potentially do. Well, that's true. On the flip side, you've got guys like Tyson Walker's at 75%. (laughs) Jaden Aikens has shot very well. Malik Hall is plus 50%. So – you would, my inclination would be those guys are going to come down a bit and you would think Christie and Hauser are going to get better, but it's still, look, if the season ended today and they ended up as a third, they're up to number 42 in the country from three, by mm. the way. And that's, so, I mean, at one point they were like 31%. Right. Like the, it's been a the, rapid the rise. Yeah. It's been a rapid rise over these last six games because they've, and that's what I'm saying. There, there's been one bad half out of the last 12. They are they are doing what I think, not necessarily at quite this level, but as a general proposition, they are playing the way I think Tom is the way I expected them to play. Mm-hmm. They're shooting well. They got a lot of guys. Yeah. Yep. A lot of guys, you know. And so that could be a problem for, uh, for Penn State in this game, but we'll have to stick. Uh, <clears throat> so you look at their starters, um, Jalen Pickens, six, four senior transfer from Siena. He's averaging 11.8 points a game, 38 from the floor, 31 from three, 82 from the line. Uh, and he leads them in assists with four per game and has a two to one ratio. He's an interesting player. You know, it was kind of surprising to me, at least that he ended up at Penn state because he was the the other Mac, the M A A C player of the year two years ago, the Mac uh, in 19, in 2019, 2020, he was player of the year in that conference. Okay. Came back and was okay, but definitely regressed. And there was speculation. He might declare for the draft and, you know, eventually he hit the portal, but there was a suspicion that, he, he regressed because he kind of got bored. Mm. Okay, that can cut two ways. If you figure you can find a way to light a fire under him, well, you might really have something at his next stop. Or you might figure, eh, this guy doesn't have the mental toughness that we want. There was, there was serious talk for a period of time about him being the guy that Michigan wanted. Mm. And then it, it switched. They ended up with Devontae Jones. They might be regretting that. Yeah, that right. is not working but, out well. Um, not yet. Uh, but uh, Pickett is a talent. I mean, he's a guy that people were talking about as having NBA potential a year ago. And thus far at Penn State, he has him been bad, 
but he also hasn't been the kind of player I think they hoped that he would be. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, his performance in prior to coming to, to state college suggests that there might be another gear that he can go up from here, but you know, the shooting from deep is not great. The assists are okay, but he's, he was better at Siena. I mean, he's basically going through kind of the classic transfer up scenario. He's still been effective, but not nearly at the level that he was at Siena. Maybe that's to be expected. Maybe I'm being unfair, but I think, I think Penn state had a thought when they got him that, Hey, this could be the guy that could salvage are losing all those perimeter guys we mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah. And thus far, I'm not, I'm not sure that it has. Uh, and then Jaheim Cornwall, six foot senior transfer from Gardner Webb. Um, he's been in the starting lineup lately, averaging 21 minutes a game, um, but only 3.9 points, um, 29 from the floor, 25 from three, 89 from the line. Yeah. And he's not a, he's not a playmaker either. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a tough spot, you know, they, they, they got to put somebody out there. This is where, again, if you had, if they had brought back all three of those other guys, Mm -hmm. I I think Penn state would have legitimately had a, a very good backcourt. They wouldn't have added Pickett, and probably wouldn't added this guy, but you know, those three guys had done it in the big 10. This is that there is a spot. This is where they're hurt. This is where, you know, the transition is, is leaving them a little, uh, a little behind the eight ball that they just don't have, um, the kind of guys that you would hope to have, um, in the big 10. Oh my God. Rutgers just won at the buzzer. <laughs> Seriously. A 35 foot shot by Ron Harper jr. <laughs> Trevion Williams hit a layup with like 3.8 seconds left and then Rutgers just inbounded and he went just inside half court and hit it. Oh, I, all that. You're a, you're, you're a little bit ahead of me. I'm on Fubo. So I just saw it. Unbelievable. Just now. <laughs> Unbelievable. Sorry about that folks. You'll have all seen it by now. Hear this, but I, I had to react. Holy crap. That's crazy. Well, guess what? Big 10 is officially uh, up for grabs. I guess it might not be Purdue and everybody else because they struggled against Iowa in their opener. And now they lose. I mean, Rutgers has been awful this year, just miserable. And uh, the, the rack's a tough place to play. We know that. Mm-hmm. Good for Steve. Peichel, <laughs> man. Holy crap. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other guy that got miles dread, he's, he's been there forever. It seems like six, five senior, Six point four points a game, thirty five, thirty seven, and fifty. Um, I, I I don't know what the story is with him. He's not taking a lot of shots. Those those field goal percentage numbers are not horrible. I mean, thirty seven percent from three—that's a solid number. He and he's playing a lot of minutes, so I don't know what the. I've not seen every Penn State game this year, but I don't know what the deal is. Um, that's disappointing because. I think with with where they're at again, losing all those guys, you had to figure coming into the season. Well, Miles Dread has got to be a guy for us. Yeah, he's got to be a guy that's a you know takes a step up, and it hasn't happened. Uh, they obviously need the scoring punch, you know. 
Yeah, I almost think his freshman year might have been like one of his best years. It was. Uh, it was. He's never been that good. Yeah, strange. Uh, so Seth Lundy, six six junior, he's really become their best player at this point. Um, Fourteen point three points a game, forty three thirty two and eighty five. Yeah, he's he's a nice player. I mean, when they brought him in, I I thought, um, okay, this is the guy that they're gonna plug in as the replacement long term for Lamar Stevens, and he is that. He's you know an undersized four, different player than Lamar Stevens. He's a better shooter for starters, mm-hmm. but um, he, he's turned into a nice player. I mean, when you're leading your team in scoring, you're second in rebounding, you're, you're doing some work. So yeah, 5.9 he's, a he's, game rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. He's a key for them for sure. Uh, and then Harar, six, uh, nine senior who entered the portal winds up staying. Um, and he's 10.9 points a game, 72% from the floor, as you'd mentioned. Um, uh, but he struggled a little bit at the line, only hitting 57%, which is tough. Uh, but 10, 10 and a half rebounds a game. Yeah, the free throw percentage thing matters because he shoots more free throws than everybody else. He averages four attempts a game. Mm-hmm. So you'd, you'd hope he'd be a little better. Look, Harar, there was a brief period when he was in the portal. Michigan State was mentioned as maybe having interest, and nothing came of it. I think that's because they figured out that all of their guys – we're going to, except for Kethier at the five, we're going to come back. Um, I like Harar. I mean, Harar is, I think, the best version of who he can realistically be. Because mm-hmm. he's never going to be a rim protector. He's never going to be a great athlete. Uh, he's probably never going to have, you know, a, a skill set that enables him to step away from the floor and shoot threes or any of that. But what he is is a guy who knows exactly what his body allows him to do and because he's big. He's big. He's strong. He played very well against Michigan State last year, as I recall. Uh, and he doesn't take – he doesn't get outside of himself, doesn't take shots he can't hit. And so you add it all up, you got a double-double guy. That's mm-hmm. – you know, if they had a better backcourt, if they had a backcourt that was giving them the kind of scoring punch – that say it did last season or two years ago, especially two years ago, um, you know, with Lundy and Harar at the four and the five, you'd have something. You know, this team is limited because they don't have that backcourt scoring. They're four and they're five, at least the starters. That's good enough to win with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then coming off the bench, Sam Sessoms, um he started most of the games this season, but returns to like a reserve role after Wagner. Um, 13.4 points a game, 52, 48, and 75. Yeah, the, the only thing I can figure is that Shrewsbury must be seeing something in terms of his rotation that leads him to want to bring Sessoms back off the bench. He played that role a lot last year as kind of a sixth man. And, and you know, that's... We were talking about Malik Hall, right? Malik Hall didn't start for Michigan State. He might be their best player to date. You know, so it's not uncommon. Sessom's having a good year. Those Mm -hmm. shooting numbers are great. And he's kind of a, I don't know if I quite call him a no-conscience guy, but he's a confident offensive player. Let's put it that way. Um, So he's, you actually do have to factor him into this backcourt scoring, but it's still not enough, Mm -hmm. even with him factored in. Uh, but he's a nice player, and, and even with him moving to a reserve role, I would still expect he'll get up near 30 minutes. Yeah. 
so Jelani White, 6'8", senior transfer from Canisius, um, 4.7 points a game, 64, uh, only missed, only shot two threes, missed them both, and 75 from the line, but uh, 4.3 rebounds, and he's getting 15 a game, 15 minutes. Yeah, and, and you know, an undersized backup at the five, they, they really don't have anybody who's a legit five behind Harar, and you figure, you know, Harar's got it. He's playing a lot, but he's got to get a blow at some point. Mm. But White also plays the four, and he's been helpful. You know, nothing spectacular, but they needed somebody to fill that role, and he's he's filling it. Yep. And then Deleon Johnson, 6'3", sophomore, um, playing about nine minutes a game. He's giving him 2.1 points a game, 32% overall, 42 from three in limited volume. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like uh, judging their limited numbers, of course, but like, this is a guy, maybe he should be pulling the trigger a little more, but they, they had that problem for years with, with Jamari Wheeler, mm-hmm. where every year their point guard is now at Ohio State, where every year you look at his, his shooting percentages and say, this guy's a good shooter. Why isn't he taking more shots? And it would never change. Um, I don't know. They were high on him coming in the last season, and then he didn't make much of an impact. He's playing a little more this year, but they could use him continuing to step forward a little more, I think, as an offensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Rob, that's about it. Uh, yeah. Probably won't see much more than that. Um, I don't think so. It's it's really an eight-man <laughs> rotation, and one of those eight is not playing a lot yep. in Johnson. You know. Uh, so the first key is pace. Uh, Penn State, one of the slowest teams in the nation, 343 out of 358 pace of play ranking. So Shrewsbury's definitely slowed it down. Um, what else What else are you looking for for pace? Well, and the thing is, that's a true reflection. Sometimes the overall pace number is impacted by how slowly the other team is playing. Yeah. You know? Michigan State is a good example of this, where their pace numbers won't necessarily reflect overall, won't necessarily reflect what the way they want to play offensively because Michigan State's defense is so good that it forces people to have to take a lot of time in the half court on their possessions. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with Penn State. They're actually slightly slower when it's their ball. It's three, I think they're 347 on offensive possession. So they want to play slowly. Again, not a surprise. You look at who Shrewsbury has coached with, and it would be reasonable to conclude that would be what he would try to do. And they are playing that way. You know, part of the problem is... It's thin lineup, too. It's partially, yeah, it it enables them to get away with that. Um, But it also, you know, as opposed to Minnesota, where the turnover numbers are really good. You know, they're, they're not, they're not giving the ball away very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn state, kind of the worst combination you could have is play slowly and turn it over a lot. And that's <laughs> what they're doing. You know, they're, they're struggling. Yeah. Uh, and then threes is the second key. We'd already talked about it a little bit, uh, but Penn state gives up a lot of threes. They give up a lot of attempts and and that's fine if you know you're playing teams that aren't shooting the ball well. But now they're they're running into a team that I think has started to find itself. And and look, you can have rough nights where the ball just doesn't go in, and and that could happen. But 
I like the way Michigan State's offense, for all the, the crap that they get about the turnovers and, you know, this and that, um, the, the fact of the matter is when they're not kicking the ball away, they're running pretty good offense, mm-hmm. you know, as, as Michigan State usually does. They're getting a lot of good shots. And the fact is they're generating great looks from three, in my opinion. And we've talked about it, you know, Max Christie and uh, and Joey Hauser have struggled relative to what hopes would have been for them. Mm-hmm. But those guys are getting great looks. When yeah. they've missed, it hasn't been because, wow, they're really forcing shots. You know, and the guys that are hitting, you know, Walker, Hall, um, Brown, those guys are, are not forcing anything either. They're just They're just getting great looks. So given how Penn State has played, I would anticipate that uh, we're going to see Michigan State with a golden opportunity to have another big night from three. They just have to cash in. Mm. Uh, and then control the lane. And you th- you're speaking more defensively with this. Yes, because I, I thought that I thought Michigan State was okay against Minnesota, but let's let's be honest, Minnesota is not a team that does a ton of damage. You know, in the in the paint, they're a team that. When they've had success this year, it was via shooting the three pretty well. Um, And even with that, I didn't think Michigan State had quite the same caliber of defense in the paint that we have seen at at most of the time this year. I don't think it was Marcus Bingham's best day. I definitely don't think it was Julius Marble's best day. Uh, But Bingham is, of course, more important there because he's the guy who really changes the game. Hmm. And and in most games this year has really dictated how it will be played by virtue of his length inside and how well he's playing pick and roll and just everything. His presence has been huge. It needs to be that way in this game. You know, Harar is a pretty good player. As I say, he plays within himself. So I don't expect him to force a lot. But look, Marcus needs to Marcus needs to impact Harar. You know, he needs to force him to take tougher looks than he normally does. Um, if he can block a few shots, that's that's great, too. Uh, but in general, Penn State, you know, we said offensively, the one thing they do well is they shoot twos well. So Harar's part of that. Um, Lundy's part of that. And then, you know, the rest of those guys kind of fill in either via penetration or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State, I think, if they can control the paint, if they can play their usual caliber of two-point defense in this game, I don't see how Penn State can be competitive. Unless they just, you know, go crazy from three, mm-hmm. which is possible but unlikely. Yeah. Uh, and then the fourth key, rebounding. MSU 56 in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, Penn State 54th in defense. Of rebounding percentage. Yeah, and and that's it, we've had a few of these equations this year, where MSU is facing a team that isn't very good on its offensive boards, but rebounds pretty well defensively. So it'll be a little bit of a test. Uh, and again, it's not surprising. You know, all the elements that if you would have told me at the start of the season, how is how does Mike Micah Shrewsbury want his team to play? What are going to be the the um, defining components of his style of play? I, I honestly, I would have said they'll be strong defensively inside the paint because they'll pack line it kind of. Mm. Um, they will rebound defensively, and um, 
and they'll uh, they'll be very patient on offense. Well, check, check, check. The only thing that really doesn't check out is the turnover numbers are way higher than I think he would want. Mm. Um, but but they, this is another element of that, right? It, they're not huge, but they they check out and they generally do a good job of terminating possessions after one shot. If you miss, they're probably going to get the rebound. Michigan State, on the other hand, we know historically, and with this team this year, likes to make hay on the offensive boards. It helps mitigate some of the turnover problems, so it is important. So it'll be a challenge. They're pretty evenly matched statistically in this in this area of things. So let's see who has an advantage. And they're pretty... It- they're pretty evenly matched in the turnover deal too, and that's the fifth key. They are right, exactly. <laughs> but MSU, exactly. MSU has has gotten better. They've progressed over the last two games, I think. Well, I mean, rel- minor, but it, it is a little bit of progress. Well, they were pretty. They were. What was it? Wasn't the number like nineteen against Toledo? Like they were. It's they a, were better against Louisville than they. They've been kind of up and down. Yeah, and Louisville wasn't. Louisville was better. Toledo yes. was a little bit mitigated because they also had like 19 turnovers. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and that's really. But you're right to call that out. We always say this a lot. You know, you, I think if you want to understand what's going on, you got to read these things in conjunction with each other. You can have a turnover deficit and make it up on the offensive boards. Mm-hmm. And if you're Michigan State in this game, hey, if your scoring opportunities are even with Penn State you ought to be winning the game. Yeah. I mean, you really should. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, you know, any final thoughts heading into this one, Rod? Um, look, it's a, it's a game that you have to win, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that literally all oh, the seasons over. They are about ridiculous, but, if you're Michigan State and, you know, we just had the excitement of watching Purdue lose. Um, right now, until until the, the record tells us otherwise, if you're Michigan State, I don't see a reason why you concede anything. Yeah. You know, in terms of what your goals should be. And, and they're getting, to us who watch them closely, we can very clearly see that they are making progress and they are getting better. It's not a quick soul, you know, just straight line up. You have, you know, inconsistency in terms of how that goes. Some things go backward for a bit and then they start to improve again. But if you're Michigan state, all of these things are in front of you while you're still, and you know, you can improve, but while you're still building momentum and with your record, Mm. And I think that's obviously why this is important because you look at this game and to me, you think, well, at home against a team that's pretty clearly outmanned, you ought to win. You ought to win. Not winning would be a step back in in their progress. And the opportunities, as we've talked about here, the opportunity is there pretty clearly to really build this thing into, into early January. Yeah. With, with the games that they have to play and the amount of time they're going to have to work on themselves, it's a perfect world. You should not have to kill yourself once you get past this one in terms of game planning. I mean, they'll obviously prepare for Oakland and, and High Point, but, you know, those are games that, you know, it's, it's not like you're playing Purdue. 
Mm-hmm. And and so the opportunity is there to serve both interests. You should be able to win games, build momentum, build credibility, build confidence, and at the same time have a real opportunity to work on yourself and get better in areas you need to. We've talked about this a lot. That can mean individual players like Pierre Brooks, Mati Sissoko, maybe getting better enough that you start to trust them in bigger roles in the rotation. Mm-hmm. It maybe means that there are opportunities for guys like Max Christie, um, Joey Hauser to rediscover their shot. Um, you know, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard continuing to develop at the point, lots of different things, you know? Yeah. So it's all there. So, but, it, but it's, you know, you want to win the damn game. <laughs> this is not one you should lose. You'll feel we will feel very, very badly if they don't win this game. Yeah, because you know, you lose something like this, you're looking at something uh, two months from now where you're like, oh crap, now we got to go beat Ohio State. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if your goal is finish as high in the in the Big Ten as you can, and right now at least because it's so early in the season and we we've just seen Purdue get tagged with one we didn't expect to see. Well, right now. There's no good reason if you're Michigan State to feel like, well, we can't compete at the top of this league. Mm-hmm. So if that's how you see it, you can't lose games like this at home against a team that's probably going to be near the bottom. Yeah. Uh, part of the problem with last year losing those three games right off the rip in the Big Ten is yep. you'd like to be building, you know, coming down the home stretch playing well because you're confident, not because you have the weight of 25 years of basketball glory staring down on you. you You're right. You're right. I mean, you know, think about if they had won those games that you're talking about now, maybe they wouldn't have felt the same level of desperation. We'll never know. But generally speaking, you expect Michigan state to compete that way, regardless of what their record is, you know, the way they did at the end of the year. So I'm not certainly not ready to concede. Oh, it would have made them complacent. Um, but you, you would have been talking about a team that wasn't just worried about getting in, but was playing for seeding, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're right. It, it put them immediately behind the eight ball. They just never, they never really recovered from that. I mean, they played much better late, but they never at any point in that season felt good about where they were because it was such a bad start, not just the losses, but who they came to. Because that was the thing. You think about the Big Ten last year, and you lost those games, and we knew, well, you still got two with Michigan. You got Illinois. You got Iowa. Mm -hmm. You know, on and on and on. And and it was like, where are the wins? Now, fortunately, they came up with wins over a bunch of top five teams. So they pulled it off, but it didn't look good for a while. So, yeah, yeah, you want to get these games so – you know, if you are in, I don't know, you're in Champaign-Urbana in, in February and you happen to lose, it it's something you can live with because you banked to, to an extent, because you mm. banked these games you ought to win. Yeah. You didn't hurt yourself, put yourself behind the eight ball. And that, that back end of the schedule is tough. You know, the last 20% or so of that schedule, is, it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, right, all the more reason. Bank these games that you feel like you ought to get. All right, well, we'll leave it at that. And um, 
catch you in the post game to Penn State. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.